All right, let's do it. Episode 581 of the podcast. Talking Knicks again. Knicks-Hornets took place on Saturday night. Knicks win again. Three in a row. Let's do it. Episode 581 of BD4. Let's go. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series. Knicks every game. MMA on occasion. Let's get to it. Anthony for three. Do it. Episode 581 of BD4. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, RJ. The Knicks take down the Charlotte Hornets last night, 122 to 108, um, to improve. <coughs> Excuse me. To improve to 5 and 8 overall. 8 and 2 versus teams not named the. Boston Celtics or Milwaukee Bucks, by the way. Uh, but three wins in a row. Uh, I think, what is, what is it, six six of their last seven. Yeah. So they're finding some groove. Um, R.J. Barrett, back healthy. He looked a little rusty last night. Uh, took some tough shots at the rim. Looked a little slower. 15 points, 5 out of 15. Hopefully he's okay, though. You know, hopefully that was just a warm-up game because we are going to need him this week, which we'll talk about later. Um, hopefully the knee is good, or sorry, the mi- the migraine, uh, quote-unquote. Um, and yeah, it was a good win at MSG South on Saturday night. Uh, one of the Knicks' three homes uh, down south. So let's talk about it tonight. Uh, as I'm recording this episode, it's Sunday, November 19th. Uh, so I should have this out by midnight slash tomorrow morning. Um, I'll put it up as soon as we finish recording here. Um, so let's let's dive in. Um, it was again a good. Uh, the Knicks did what they had to do, right? A good blowout win. Um, damn, man, my voice cracks. I swear to God, it's just all summer it had. And then I got, I went through the winter or, or the fall pretty good with it. I think it's like something with my dehydration, man. I got to drink more water. Um, but the Knicks, the, it, it was a blowout. But like Charlotte, the entire time was just like one run, one run away from being in it. Uh, but the Knicks got off to a very hot start. You had Jalen Brunson 
working the inside-out game, a couple of three-pointers, a couple of mid-range in the first quarter. R.J. Barrett, his first shot of the night, pull-up mid-range jumper, cans it, draws contact on a drive the next time down for him. You get Randall finding, cutting Dante DiVincenzo. He gets an and-one finish, knocks down a couple of threes in the period, and the Knicks are up 23-12. Um, later in the period, Tibbs makes his subs quickly, and Josh Hart check in with about four minutes and change remaining in the first. Then you get Deuce checking in late first quarter. Um, the last like five or six minutes of the first quarter, the Knicks kind of cooled off and let Charlotte back into the game, but they still went up 30-19 to after one. And then you got more back and forth from the second quarter on, really. Uh, you start the second quarter a few minutes in with a Deuce McBride three-pointer. Then he knocks down the crossover jumper. It's good to see confidence from him. Uh, but Charlotte, again, they pull to within 10. You know, the mellow ball has that crazy long lob pass that he throws. Um, Knicks call a timeout. Brunson's hot out of the timeout. Scores six baskets in the in the second quarter. Uh, he's finding guys like Dante on the weak side again. He's getting to the free throw line. Then Charlotte makes a run. They pull it to five. Uh, the Knicks turning it over. Some bad transition defense. They kind of let their foot off the pedal. But Brunson, of course, still hot. Helps stretch that lead back out at halftime. And the Knicks are up 61-50 heading into the third. Uh, and again, Charlotte just not going away. Randall. Knocks down a couple baskets, but they were answered back by LaMelo Ball at the top of the third period. Um, lead was cut to single digits again. Then Dante gets very hot. Knocks down a couple threes. One of them off of Randall kick out. Another one to go up 13 points. Uh, he draws an offensive charge in there. You get Brunson and quickly some quick baskets at the end of the third period. And the Knicks are up 89-80 after three. Fourth quarter, Hart starts it off with a three-pointer. Uh, then the Mellow knocks down his sixth three of the night. The Knicks leave him wide open again. Uh, that's when Charlotte cut it to six. Uh, RJ answers with a three-pointer. Brunson checks in, and then what do you know? The offense, once again, starts to click. Um, Charlotte goes into his zone defense, but Dante knocks down a couple more threes, also draws another charge. The Knicks go up back, the Knicks go back up by 15 points, and from there, Charlotte just did not have time to come back into the game and the Knicks win uh, again 122 to 108 over the Charlotte Hornets on uh, Saturday night yesterday night um, yeah it's just it's good to see this offense clicking on all cylinders so you have to take into account that they're playing especially the last couple nights terrible defenses um, but I'm I'm stretching this back to like the last week's worth of games during this stretch where they won six out of seven, they're playing good half court offense that you don't, it's a different half court offense than you saw last year. Uh, I think we mentioned in the last episode, how this Knicks offense, you're seeing more passing, you're seeing more cutting, you're seeing better shooting. Um, I feel like the last few years they've been missing guys who can cut to the basket in the half court. Well, enter Dante DiVincenzo. Right, we're, we're going to talk about him plenty in this because I know there's an elephant in the room, um, you know, on, on a specific conversation, and we're going to get to that in a second. Um, 
but he's knocking down threes. Brunson's knocking down threes. R.J. Barrett's knocking down threes. Grimes is 40% on threes. Quickly is damn near 40% on threes this year. The Knicks have the best three-point percentage in the NBA in their last seven games. Uh, their offensive rating is, I believe, it's jumped into the top 10. Um, their assist numbers are better of late. Um, <clears throat> and I feel like, as a whole this season, the ball movement has been better, despite the assist numbers still being low overall. Um, like, I just feel like there's been more passing Brunson from, from Randall, RJ Barrett, when he plays has passed much better than he ever has. Um, even quickly has shown better court vision. And I I was trying to figure it out because I'm like, well, the assist numbers are still down. So I was looking into it on NBA.com playing with the, uh, with the, you know, under the team statistics categories and you could play around with tracking and, and, uh, the Knicks last year. In terms of passes per game, they were ranked 22nd. And this season so far, they've jumped that number all the way up to the 11th highest. So that's improved. Uh, Then I looked at secondary assists per game. Last year, they were 26th. This year, they're 8th. So you're seeing an improvement. I know the eye test wasn't lying to me, so I was glad that something backed it up on the numbers. Um, But yeah, there's just a lot of the time... Especially in this game, there was there it was often where the Knicks were quickly moving the ball in the half court, and they were just forcing the defense to rotate. Um, Tibbs is you know his read and react offense looks a lot quicker. It looks more like a well oiled, free flowing motion offense. It really does. Um, it's still still going to be ISO heavy um, relative to a lot of other teams. Uh, there's still a lot of over dribbling, but there's more movement. There's more passing to those cutters on the inside, right? It's not just movement on the perimeter. They're finding guys on the inside. There's a lot more high pick and roll where Brunson or quickly will shoot the ball right off the ball screen right away. So I I like this new wrinkle Tibbs has added into the offense this season um, in, in getting them more active, whether that be with the ball movement, with their off-ball activity. I think it's it's... There's a noticeable difference in this team's half-court offense, so I, I wanted to point that out. Now, I want to get to that elephant in the room um, that, you know, this has kind of been a conversation, not just the last couple of days. It's it started to heat up, though. You know, you're starting to hear this become a legitimate conversation among the Nick fan base, um, and we're going to get to this certain topic as soon as we return from our first break here on BD4 episode 581 if you're new to the podcast be sure to subscribe to bd4 follow this up ep- uh, follow this podcast listen to it download these episodes and if you want to watch the video format you can do that too you can watch us on youtube and spotify you can listen to us on apple podcasts and spotify if you want bd4 episode 581 we will be right back and as soon as we return from this break we'll talk about this specific conversation that we got to have We appreciate you sticking around and listening so far. When you have a chance, be sure to open YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're already watching on YouTube, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate your feedback and are always looking to improve. Now, with that all said, let's get you back to the show. Should Dante DiVincenzo start... When Quentin Grimes returns. First of all, um, let's preface by saying 
I find myself, like with everything, honestly, undecided, and I'm kind of in the middle with this. Um, I'm able to see... I'm trying to be able to see both sides. Um, it's it's a hot topic. It's, it's gotten, you know, I, obviously the guy drops 25, knocks down a career-high seven three-pointers. It instantly becomes the hottest conversation among the fan base right now. Should he start over Grimes? Um, well, I guess, you know, the first question being, what would that bring differently, right? What, what would be different with Dante DiVincenzo in the starting lineup over Quinton Grimes? being in the starting rotation. I think the first thing a lot of people notice is the off-ball activity, right? It would definitely bring more off-ball activity in an ISO-heavy starting lineup that needs cutters, right? Uh, that might shake it up a bit. Instead of just watching Brunson and Randall clear out an ISO, this adds a new dynamic. So you have more guys cutting on the inside because Dante does that. He cuts a lot. He moves a ton. He's in great shape. Um, I mean, this he knows, and these are purposeful cuts. These aren't just bullshit cuts. These these are cut. He's cutting with the purpose. He's getting to these pockets, these holes in the defense, um, on these perfect backdoor outlets. And remember, this is a high IQ player. This is a guy who has been in the league for a bit now. He's won a championship. I think people forget that in 2021 he was with Milwaukee um, and he won a championship with that team. Uh, he might have started with them too. I'm not exact. I'm not entirely sure. But he has a championship ring on his finger. So that's I mean, that's important to me uh, to be able to bring that experience and guys like that know how to play ball. And I feel like the cutting and everything, that fits Tibbs' read and react half-court offense to a T. You know, it's old school street ball. You find the guy in the cut. I feel like that would fit. Um, another thing that he would probably bring that Quentin Grimes doesn't always bring is something we talk about often. Dante brings an aggressiveness that you're not always getting from Quentin. Um, Thibodeau's playbook hasn't changed. These last two games, it's been the same. He's running the same offense, the same sets. Same guys and the same actions, but the difference is Dante is still able to get shots up because he's just simply way more aggressive. He's Dante is still playing the same exact way he's always played. He hasn't changed his ways going from a reserve to a starter. He's still the same guy. He's still going to pull the trigger. He's still going to attack. That's the way he played with the bench unit, with Hart, quickly. That's the way he's been playing these last couple nights in the starting lineup. Um... So it's important that we get aggressiveness from our three-point shooters, right? This, this is a team who's never really shot well. So we, we, get, we need aggressiveness from our snipers, man. And even if Grimes maybe at the end of the day lives closer to 40% on the arc than Dante will, I feel like Dante's willingness to shoot the ball is what defenses will respect. So you're still going to get that same gravity. You're still going to get the defense playing the same way. They're not going to cheat off him. Um, and I'm not just talking about his aggressiveness with three-point shooting, but I feel like overall, Dante is just not afraid. Um, maybe that's because he's got more of a bag than Quentin Grimes at this point in Quentin's career, but Dante's shown that he's not afraid to put the ball on the floor. 
Um, he's not afraid afraid to play pick and roll, right? Uh, you're seeing him and Julius develop some of that. He's not afraid to use the dribble. He's not afraid to use the dribble drive and attack the basket. He's he's cutting you the basket off ball. Whereas Grimes, when he's off ball, a lot of the times he's just positioned in the corner. Um. So that's another aspect that Dante DiVincenzo would probably bring. Um, and if you're looking at Grimes, there's an angle that says Grimes fits better with the second unit because it will allow him more offensive freedom, right? Whereas Dante has the chemistry developing with those starters. Grimes, when he's playing with uh, Randall, RJ, Jalen Brunson, they, they, those guys are on the ball a ton. Um, so he's not getting his touches, his reps. He's not going to get the amount that he would with the second unit because the second unit provides more passing. They have less ball handlers. There, There's a possibility that he gets more reps with them. Where, as with Dante, <clears throat> he actually has a good chemistry developing with Randall, right? They played some pick and roll. Randall's been hitting him um, from the post up on kickouts, finding him on the weak side. Uh, he's got a good, obviously he's got a good chemistry uh, chemistry with Jalen Brunson. They played college ball together at Nova. Uh, you're seeing Brunson hit him weak side. Um, but yeah, you're seeing him and Randall develop a nice little one-two game together. Um, Randall's hitting him, again, kickouts. Uh, he found him twice in the first quarter last night. You know, pick and roll. So, it's something to think about. Okay, I'm not, again, I find myself trying to understand both sides here. So if you want to argue that this is maybe a little premature, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. Yeah, maybe it is, you know, Grimes isn't even back yet. So the good thing is we'll probably get to see at least a couple more games before this has to become a something uh, Tibbs thinks about. And maybe I'm just, I don't know. I'm just ballparking this, but maybe when Quentin Grimes returns, Maybe Tom Thibodeau eases him off the bench first to ease his way back. Um, that doesn't sound very Tibbs-like, but who knows, you know. But the last couple of nights, Dante has had double figures in each of those games. Um, the Knicks have also, in those last two nights, played Washington and Charlotte. Two, again, abominable defenses. So maybe we got to see a little bit more. Um, especially defensively, you know, if you, if you just, none of them are particularly large, but you are losing size. You're losing some defense when you go with Dante because Grimes is a little bit bigger than Dante. So what happens when you play Milwaukee? What happens when you play Boston? You got those two guys you got to defend. What happens? How about tomorrow night? You got Minnesota tomorrow night. Um, although I think RJ would be on Edwards, I'm not sure, but still like if, if Grimes, who is a little better of a defender, if you see him at times get muscled up and pushed around, you know, we, we saw wings like Brown and Tatum muscle their way to the basket on Grimes before Dante's a little smaller. How do you think that would fare? Right. He's a little less sound defensively. He takes more risks, more gambles, uh, which can be both good and bad. Um, Grimes is much more of a point of attack defender while Dante is more of a guy who plays the passing lanes. Um, and I think people do overlook that about Grimes as he's excellent 
in the point of attack. Uh, he's a big reason why the Nick defense is what it's been so far this year. I believe it's top five in defense. Um, so, yeah, overall, I'm not opposed to anything. Um, what I think will happen is I have a feeling that Tom Thibodeau is going to go back to his comfort zone when Quentin Grimes returns and he doesn't seem like a guy who strays from his norm very often as Knicks fans know a little too much, but I'm open to it. I am absolutely open to it for sure. I, I would like to see what it looks like. Um, again, this matchup versus Minnesota will be very interesting. It might tell us a little bit more how Dante does against a defense like that. And maybe we see Dante on the uh, Anthony Edwards assignment more than we think. Um, and maybe Grimes these last couple nights watching Dante thrive with the starting unit. Maybe he learns a little bit, right? Maybe he's seen this and saying, Hey, maybe I, I gotta be a little more aggressive. Hey, I gotta do this. I gotta do that. If I have an open shot, maybe I shoot it on a closing out defender. Who's a little smaller than me. If I have a guy who I think I can beat off the dribble, put it on the on the floor and attack. Maybe he's thinking that, um, but it was a great game from Dante last night, 25 points, 9 out of 12 shooting overall, 7 of 10 from 3, had 3 assists to no turnovers, 3 steals, a block, and this was all done in 28 minutes. Um, so, yeah, I've been, I, I like the kid, man. Um, I've been saying this. I, I want to get a Knicks City Edition jersey, and I want it to be Dante. Um, I don't know if they have one, a City Edition, that, that's Dante DiVincenzo. Um, I guess I should probably look at that first to see if they do. But I've been wanting to get a jersey of his because he's he's the lone Italian American on the Knicks, man. And I want I like that he represents, um, you know, the big ragu. Uh, he he's got to be either Irish on his mother's side or he's got ancestors from Northern Italy or Sardinia or something because the red hair is interesting. Um, but I've been waiting on him to break out. So hopefully that was it. Um, obviously he's not going to give you anything special. They got him at mid level exception. But I still thought that he was leaving a little left to be desired um, in his first six or seven games with the team. Um, but the defense has been here the entire time, right? They've been here all year. His his intangibles have been great. He took two offensive fouls, I, I think, last night. Um, playing the passing lanes exceptionally. You know, he stole it off LaMelo Ball twice in the first quarter. One of them he picked it off when LaMelo went behind the back. Um three steals overall in the game, him and Josh Hart playing the passing lanes like they can do and rebounding like they can both do helps the Knicks a lot generate offense off their defense and transition. So that's all I have on the Dante DiVincenzo. Should he start? Should he not start when the Knicks are fully healthy conversation? Uh, I just thought, I, I think it's an interesting topic to bring up at the moment. Um, so we'll see what happens. But again, I think I have a feeling it's just going to go back to, the normal starting five, Brunson, RJ Grimes, Randall, Mitch, when everybody's back. But, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's something I'm open to. If I'm the head coach, I wouldn't be. Or or, or if, if Tibbs did it, I wouldn't be opposed. So, when we return, we're going to talk a little more about. Um, lost my train of thought. We'll talk Julius Randall. Let's do that when we return, because I have some things to say about the way he's been playing. We'll talk Julius when we get back from break. Episode 581 of BD4. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You can also find us on social media. 
If you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook, and we're at BD4Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it. Hey guys, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, be sure to subscribe to BD4 and the many platforms that we're on. You can find us on Apple Podcasts to listen to us. You can also listen to us on Spotify. You can listen to us on YouTube as well, or watch the podcast, I should say, on YouTube as well. So thank you for tuning in to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We do Yanks every series, Knicks every game, and MMA on occasion. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, so I hope you're enjoying this show. Let's get back to it. I want to talk about Julius Randle for a second, because Julius Randle last night had another game. I don't even think we mentioned his name um, in our last episode when we did the first of the back-to-back. That was an episode I just I rushed to get out there, because, again, I wanted it to have some shelf life. Um, I actually recorded it on the night of the game, uh, which I usually wait till the night after. Which is again when we're recording this episode, Sunday, November nineteenth, should be out either tonight or tomorrow morning, Monday the twentieth. Um, happy Thanksgiving, by the way. Julius Randall is is back. Um, I I think Randall's. I think you can officially label him as back now. Um, last night, Julius twenty one points, six rebounds, but he had eight assists, shot eight to seventeen from the floor. He looked good. Um, so I'm no longer worried. Um, and maybe I shouldn't have ever been worried about Julius. Um, because at the end of the day, in the regular season, yes, he'll have peaks and valleys, and the valleys will be very low, but the peaks will also be very high, and he will produce. He'll give you production. At the end of the day, Julius Randle is a two-time All-Star in the regular season. That's not where I'm concerned about him. I'm concerned about Julius Randle when the calendar flips to May. That's a whole different topic. But we're not there yet, so I will give the guy credit because he continues to play good ball. He's continuing to attack, and that's what I like most right now. Uh, Even last year, a good year for Julius, there was a lot of three-point attempts. Um, I feel like this season, and I got to... I'd have to dive into the numbers and spreadsheets and everything, but I feel like his shot diet has been a lot more balanced um, between the three levels. I I feel like there's not really been a favorite spot for him, and and I'm saying that in a good way. I feel like he's been attacking the basket when he needs to. I feel like when the basket's sealed off, he's been taking the mid-range, and I feel like he's taken a good amount of threes. Um, So... That's one thing that I like about the scoring. And the overall numbers for Julius don't look pretty, uh, the efficiency numbers yet. But I feel like, again, in his last number of games now, he's been way more Julius Randle-like than what we saw in the first half of his season so far. Um, and the passing's been good. The pa- He's passing the ball much better this year. Um, you could see when, when the defense doubles the post, He's going to find shooters on the perimeter. You know, again, we mentioned he hit Dante a number of times last night. A number of times. He found him off an excellent cut from the left wing. Uh, there was another time where Randall was on the weak side elbow, or Randall was on the strong side elbow, 
Dante, the weak side elbow three, passes it across court to him. Dante knocks it down. Uh, he was finding him in post up. He was making good passes to Brunson. He had a really nice behind-the-back pass to open up the baseline for Brunson in a DHO. Um, still had four turnovers. Um, that's going to be what he does. He'll give you three or four of those a night. He's a high-usage player. He's going to dribble. He, you know, Sometimes he'll pass late when the double comes in. and That's going to be him. It's going to frustrate us. And the defense is frustrating, too. Right, it's it's very ugly defense. Um, even in these last couple nights, I mean, he's given up the baseline way too easily. He he, there would be nights where he doesn't go over screens with a ton of effort. Um, last two nights, you can you can get away with it. Two shit teams. We've been winning. He's been giving you production offensively, but it's something where it bugs you most when he's not giving you much on offense. And it's like, well, defense isn't like offense where you try hard and you could be effective. Offense, you're not promised, you're not you're not guaranteeing any any effectiveness if you try hard. If, if you're playing hard on defense, you can be at least average. And you know, we know a lot of the time with him, he, he's not. If he's not going offensively, he'll he'll kind of take that with him, and he'll be you know kind of be stuck in a stuck in mud on the other end. So. Doesn't hurt last night. Doesn't hurt against the Wizards because we're winning. But, you know, it's like I said, man, you're going to go through highs and lows with this guy. And at the end of the day, you have to kind of just live with it. And if you're going to have a critique, it's you should probably save it for the postseason, right? Because that's when it's fair to criticize this guy. And he's got to pass the test this year if we, if we, if we were lucky enough to, to get into the dance. But Randall looks back. He's playing good ball. Uh, he's back to that 2010-5 guy, and and he looks like he's uh, primed for another another strong, solid season as the Knicks' power forward um, for now. We'll see if he's moved. But uh, Jalen Brunson, I'm going to hand him the game ball though. Uh, Jalen Brunson last night gets his third game ball of the season. He's catching up. Bing bang. Excellent last night. Excellent yet again. Back-to-back 32-point games, eight assists, two turnovers. He shot 12 of 21. He was four of eight from three, and he made all four of his free throws. He was a plus 15 last night. On the year, Brunson's up to 24, three, and five. Just two turnovers. He's shooting 44% from the field. 48% on his threes and 85% at the charity stripe. Um... He was great against the Hornets. 32-4-7. Listen, all offseason you heard the front office saying that Jalen had another level to him. He he has untapped potential still that we haven't seen. Maybe they were talking about the three-point game because this is pretty insane what we're seeing from this kid. Um, usually, right, normal basketball players with increased volume comes decreased in uh, decreased efficiency not with Jalen Brunson um a lot of people wanted him to take more threes last year because he was so efficient I was one to say that's the perfect spot for he was taking about four a game I I was not on that side I was saying just live there live at four or five a game maybe I was wrong because the way he's knocking them down this year has been absurd um 
And and he, I mean, they have him shooting threes in many ways. I mean, him playing off the ball more this year has helped him get good looks and catch and shoot. Yes, but it's also unbelievable how effective he's been with the pull up jumper. Those pull up three pointers, wow! And, and they they're coming with range too. I mean, some of those threes he's knocking down at the top of the key have been coming from 29, 30, 31 feet off. It's like he's got some deep range to him this year, coming off those Mitch high screens and just canning those things. And, yeah, it's really impressive to see the increase in efficiency. Um, He's been unbelievable from three. He's been on fire, and he's finally found his footing overall. Um, It's... His two-point game is obviously, that's been the conversation this year. What, what has he done at the first two levels on the floor? Last night, it was good to see him go 8 of 13 from two. Um, the mid-range is actually back up to 40% of the year. That's a fine number. Um, the floaters, you want to see start to drop more consistently. That's been the one area this year that's been pretty bad. He's not been effective at all around the rim. Um so, last night was a good sign. Hopefully, we start seeing those floaters fall because historically, he's been fine at the rim. He's been a good player for his stature at the rim. So, I'm banking on that. I'm banking on those law of averages. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm 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 good with Jalen. I think he'll be fine. And even though he cooled off in the second half, he did continue to make some great passes and that's been something I'm loving from him lately. The last three games, he's making a real effort to balance out his scoring and facilitating. You know, he's got 22 assists in his last three games versus just five turnovers. So he's making good passes. He's looking weak side a lot more than he usually does. And it's really nice to see. So good for Jalen Brunson. He gets his third, I believe it's his third. Yeah. His third bing bong. No, his fourth. I'm sorry. It's his fourth, yeah. It's his fourth Bing Bong game ball on the year. So he's catching up. He's catching up to, I think, RJ leads the starting unit with five. Um, but Jalen Brunson, four now. He, he's After a slow start, he's finding his footing. Uh, let's go to Josh Hart real quick. Josh Hart, I'm going to hand him the Bing Bong game ball from off the bench. He gets his first of the season last night with seven points. Six boards, four assists, and three steals. Um, he was a plus seven in the box score across 29 minutes. He played well, man. And it seems like he's starting to find his footing, too. Um, struggled in the first week or, week or so of the year, and he's starting to, to find his comfort zone, and he's running in transition a lot more. And The half-court game, you're still seeing some hesitancy, but he did take some shots last night that he didn't hesitate with. Um, but he's finding it. And, you know, the Knicks won this game. I guess we'll, we'll segue this into my next topic here. The Knicks won last night's game because they got a ton of extra possessions. Um, so if you want to know why the Knicks had 110 attempts uh, when you combine their field goals and their free throw attempts versus Charlotte having 95 attempts combined, I'm looking at Josh Hart and I'm looking at Mitchell Robinson. I think those two guys were keys. Um, Josh Hart with the rebounding, the steals, 
right? The defense playing the fast break off of it. He had six defensive rebounds, three steals. He had a rebound at the end of the third quarter where he pushes it to Randall on the fast break on the left wing. And then one towards the end of the fourth quarter where Mitch blocks LaMelo's shot, Hart rebounds it, and he throws to Dante going up the floor on the right wing. Uh, And then Mitchell Robinson with an offensive rebounding prowess last night, just providing extra possessions as he's been doing all season. Last night, Mitch Robinson had 14 rebounds. 11 of them came on the offensive glass. I don't think people understand how difficult that is to do. For a normal big man, if you average about three, four offensive rebounds in a game, that's a good number. Mitchell Robinson, I think he's averaging six. He might be averaging more, honestly. He's by far the best offensive rebounder in basketball now that Steven Adams is done for the year. Um, it's, it's, I mean, the way he just, he's able to muscle up, and it, it's, it's that muscle gain, him gaining a little bit of muscle that's helped him a lot. But he's just able to, he, he's much better at boxing out. He's fighting through traffic underneath there. He's hustling his ass off. But he just, last night, you watch him. He kept grabbing the board, kicking it out or putting it back. Grabbing the board, kicking it out or putting it back. Just constantly. Um, One of the assists he had last night came off of a Brunson miss. And he just kicked it out to to quickly and quickly knocked down, I think, a floater or something. Excellent job. So, yeah, why did the Knicks win last night's game? Sure, Brunson dropped 30 buckets. and, 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 you know, you got Dante obviously chiming in. But the extra possessions they were able to get because of guys like Josh Hart pushing the pace and because of guys like Mitchell Robinson getting those second-chance points, that's huge. Um, And you know what? The way Mitch has developed, man, the way quickly has developed, I've I've kind of talked about this before. Um, from, From day one to where they are now, Anybody who tells you that Tom Thibodeau is detrimental to a young player's success, absolutely nuts. Absolutely out of your minds. And I I try my best to try to understand where people are coming from. But I just for the people who think that Tibbs is literally so bad that players regress under him, I don't see that. Look at Mitchell Robinson year one. Look at him now. Look at Emmanuel quickly year one. Look at him now. If R.J. Barrett sustains this and he takes the leap that we hope he's taking, add another one to that list. Look at what Randall was doing even with the Lakers, with with the Pelicans. Look at him now. Look at what Jalen Brunson with Dallas. Look at him now. Look at all the guys that a lot of people wanted Tibbs fired for because he didn't play. Cam Reddish. How's, How's Cam Reddish been? The next star that a lot of Knicks fans, including myself at times, thought he was going to be. Kevin Knox. I mean, where's he been? Was he been on three, four teams since he left the Knicks? People thought he held Frank Nilakina back. God, that guy had a cult. And the whole Kemba Walker thing, when he was initially benched by Tom Thibodeau, I remember people wanted him fired yesterday when that happened. <laughs> like, it's it's insane. And I'll give you I'll give you Obi Toppin. Obi's been Obi's been thriving in Indiana in his new starting role, sure. But then again, who was he blocked by here? He was blocked by Julius Randle, who was a two-time All-Star, a two-time All-NBA guy, a guy who had an, a Most Improved Player of the Year award in the same season Obi was here, one of the seasons he was here. So, 
I think people who are still giving Tibbs shit need to lay off the guy at this point. Um, I understand there are things he does that frustrate us, including myself, but like you guys are still giving him shit about Evan Fournier not playing. I mean, I'm sitting here. I'm like, are you serious? The dude played the other night and I, he let, I forget who it was. He let him take him baseline and like it was like he was playing some super athletic Russell Westbrook. Like, and it was, it was somebody who I'm just sitting there like, really? You're letting him take you? And he's, Evan Fournier's not. <laughs> I won't even go down that rabbit hole. Um, but I'm just saying, like, you got to give the guy a little bit of credit. He may not be the perfect coach for this team. And, and I think eventually we might have to move on and get younger. I agree with those people. I, I, I think that if you don't want to give him an extension, you got a fair point. But right now, for where this team is at this exact moment, I have no problem with Tom Thibodeau coaching this Knicks team. I want to see him coaching the Knicks team with another superstar next to Brunson. And if they still can't get the job then done then, that's where I'll start to contemplate uh, the head coaching position. But right now, given the roster they have, they've got a very good star player in Jalen Brunson. Um, they've got an all-star in Julius Randle. Still lacking that big 1A to put next to Brunson, in my opinion, respectively. I think you can't really fully judge Tom Thibodeau until you have all the pieces. But I, I think the whole thing where he doesn't develop players properly is a little out there because, again, I look at a lot of these guys on this team and they've taken leaps under Tom Thibodeau. Um, but that's it. Um, that's that's it for this show. I, it's it's good to continue to beat teams that the Knicks need to, need to defeat. You know, um, they're beating the piss out of all these bad teams. That's nice and all. Charlotte, Washington, San Antonio, Atlanta. But now I think the next step is they got to show that they're capable of doing damage to tough competition. Uh, we've had some good wins. Uh, you know, the Clippers win, uh, Cleveland, who we own. But that's why this upcoming week, these next three games are, are going to be very important. Um, I'm looking at these three games and, I, and I'm like, let's do some stuff here um, because the gauntlet starts back up. Uh, fortunately, there are no back-to-backs for a while, but tomorrow you got Minnesota. They've been impressing people so far. You got the whole Edwards versus RJ thing. They've got a little bit of a rivalry since Edwards started talking shit for no reason on social media. Um, but after that, they got the week off for Thanksgiving, and they host the Miami Heat on Friday. That's going to be a tournament game, I believe. Um, and obviously, it's the first time these two sides are meeting since Game 6. Um so, and then you got Sunday when you're hosting the, the Phoenix Suns. KD and Book come into town. So, those three teams in the next three games, I would like to see two wins there. If the Knicks can pull out two wins over their next three games, I would absolutely consider that a wild success. Um, I don't care who it's against. Get two against those three teams. You know, that loss can be against either one of the three. I need two wins. Um and that's it. We're going to wrap this up when we return with our trivia. And then that will be that. Stay with us here on BD4, episode 581 of the podcast. Be right there. If you have time in the day or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening, then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4 Blog by going to bd4blog.com. We're not on there as often, 
But when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. Okay, so for this episode, episode 581, our NYY, NYK, MMA trivia question of the day is, which two players have the most steals in a game this decade for the Knicks with seven? Which two players have the most steals in a game this decade for the Knicks with seven? All right, so let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. If you get the answer correct, I'll give you a shout-out in the next episode. One final time for this episode's trivia. Which two players have had... I'm sorry. Which two players have the most steals in a game this decade for the Knicks with seven? All right. So with that said, uh, if you want a hint, if you want a hint, I will give you a hint and say they both played point guard during their time, sir. So that's it. We're going to wrap it up from here. I appreciate you all stopping by. Episode 581 is in the books. I'll see you for 582 when we're talking Knicks, Timberwolves in Minnesota, I believe. So hopefully the Knicks pick up this win. Can't stand that team. I, I can't stand Edwards, but the guy's a beast, man. It's I think they're going to put RJ on him, but um, just because he, you know, because of size and. I don't know if Dante can handle the, the playing Edwards on the ball like that, but I don't know if anybody's going to be able to handle Anthony Edwards. I mean, he's probably a MVP favorite right now, you know, if, if, if Jokic didn't exist. So that's it. Appreciate you stopping by, and I'll see you in the next show. Later. This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there! If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you, and we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees and go Knicks!